this time we'll ask our deacons to come forward. We'll take up our regular Sunday morning offering, opportunity for the members of HMBC to contribute to the work of the Lord here.
see if we'll get that to work. I am uh, thankful for all of the prayers the Lord has been answering lately. I know everything doesn't um, get answered the way that we would like 
at all times. And uh, that is certainly the Lord's prerogative, for we must always pray, Thy will be done. And sometimes His plans are distinct from what we're specifically asking for, and He's got a bigger glorious purpose that we don't always gather. But um, it is a blessing when we see God work in some very difficult and dire circumstances, and He shows His faithfulness to us. Um, We've been spending time here in the book of Malachi, and uh, it's been a blessing to me. I hope that uh, it has to you as well. And with the Lord's help today, we want to begin uh, speaking about this sixth of the six discourses, discussions, sections in the book of Malachi. And just to kind of remind you of some of the things that we've, uh, we've covered in the past weeks, um, we remember that Malachi is broken up into kind of six different sections, and they have a pattern to them. There is a charge where God says, here's an issue, a problem that you all have going on. The people don't understand it, and so they ask God a question. And then God responds to that question and provides evidence that justifies his charge. And then in the midst of these passages, we, are, we learn some very profound things about God and his, his will, who he is and what he's seeking to accomplish and as we've gone through uh, this, this book of Malachi, it's only four chapters, we've looked at the first uh, discourse, and the title was, I Have Loved You. And despite their blindness, there was evidence of God's love right in front of them. The next one, the title was, I Am a Great King. And we saw that their worship of God was very weak as a people. And they were unaware of what God deserved. And, oh, I can go back now. All these previews. Here we go. I'm a great king. And their worship of God was very weak. And God explained to them that the way he should be worshipped, he was a great king and that he deserved to have his name made great among the people. A way that wasn't reflected by the way they were worshipping. The next, the third discourse was titled The Godly Seed, and we saw that God's plans, His purpose was to make His great across geography and generations going forward in time, and the way the people were living, the way who they were marrying, the way that they were not staying married was working against God's purpose. The fourth of the discourses was titled An Unchanging God. God was frustrated by their ignorant complaints about his inaction. And he told them that it's the very very reason that he hasn't wiped them out is because he is faithful. And then last Sunday's, the fifth discourse, the title of the message was, Try Me. You see, the people were robbing God by withholding tithes and offerings. And God challenged the people saying, if you would test me, if you would step into my will you would find that I am a God who will answer prayers. I will pour out blessings, giving you a blessing that cannot even be contained. And so if you want to read with me this morning, let's pick up in Malachi chapter 3, verse 13. I'm going to read this entire sixth discourse, but my burden this morning is to only talk about the first portion of it. Lord willing, we'll address the next portion at a future time. So here in Malachi chapter 3, verse 13, it says, 
Here's the charge. Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken so much against thee? You have said it is vain to serve the Lord. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, that tempt God are even delivered. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings." And you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Let's pray together this morning. My gracious God and Father, Lord, I thank you again today for the opportunity to stand before this people that is gathered today, Lord, your people, and to be able to spend time in your word, Lord, and trying to search and understand these things, Lord, that you have said and that you have preserved for us, Lord, even for this moment today, Lord, one of the purposes and plans you had in your mind, Lord, when you, when you set Malachi to speak these things and his pen to write these things down, Lord, even today was in your mind's eye, Lord, as your spirit worked in his mouth, Lord, and in that pen. And Lord, in all the ages that you've preserved these things, though so many people have tried to destroy your word, Lord, yet you have maintained it today, Lord. And for this time that we're gathered together to be able to sit and to listen and to learn and to consider, Lord, to come to your feet, Lord, not to mine, but to you, Lord, for you are the one who truly has done a thing. Lord, you are the one who is worthy of our glory and honor in this place. And Lord, you have given us these promises, these things that are so precious, Lord. And you've led us, Lord, in this, in this text to peek behind the veil. Lord, to see what is happening within the great throne room of heaven, Lord. And there are such words of encouragement in this passage, Lord. And I pray that your spirit would press them into our hearts today, Lord, as we seek to, to understand what you say, Lord. Press these things into our hearts Lord, that those that are yours might rejoice today, Lord, in all the things that you're saying to us. Thank you, Lord, for the encouragement of your word, Lord, and the presence of your spirit. Thank you for giving your son for us, Lord, that we might have ears to hear, Lord, and eyes to see, hearts to feel, Lord, for it's only by the washing of his blood, 
Lord, that we can be made new and to receive the things that you so freely give to us. Thank you for Jesus today, and may we glorify him in all ways. Amen. There's always a charge, there's a problem the Lord is revealing in each one of these passages. And as we look at this one, that's no different. The Lord tells the Israelites, He says, Your words have been stout against me. Your words have been brave. That's what stout means. Brave, bold, or strong. Y'all got some guts with the things that you're saying. That's kind of what the Lord is, is telling them. The people who are saying these things, there really is no fear of God in their eyes. There's no trust of God among the people. They're either incredibly brave or really foolish. And I believe as the Lord reveals what's going on, we're going to see that it was the latter. That their tongues were so loose that they would make such statements about God. And of course, as the question comes, we find that this people were a people who were not aware of the significance of what they were doing. The question is, what? Yet you say, you're saying, what have we spoken so much against thee? They didn't see a problem with their words. They didn't see it. And so the Lord is going to reveal and explain to them exactly what is being said that he has a problem with. And that is the response here in verses 14 and 15. He said, this is what you've been saying. This is, these are these bold, brave words that you all are bringing. You have said, it is vain to serve God. This is what they're saying. You have said, it is vain to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept His ordinances and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the proud happy, yea, they that work wickedness are set up, yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. So let's, let's think about this passage here for a moment. Let's first think about the way they describe their service, okay? Because that's the first thing they do. They, they talk about their worship. They consider themselves to have kept the ordinances, meaning the obligations, the service, the duty, the things that God said should be done, they look at this and they say, we have been keeping it. We've been doing all the things. We've been faithful. In fact, they also say they have walked mournfully before God. They understood that sometimes when the prophets said, you know, you all should be burdened. You should be sad about what you're doing. You should mourn. You should repent. They would at times go and cry, tearing their garments. They would set fasts and they would go and weep and cry before God. So as they described their service, they said, we're doing all the things. We even go and cry. We've, we've walked mournfully, God, before you. How do, how do they feel about their service? What's their impression? They think that they're good. They think that they're doing all the things. But what has God said? Y'all, your worship is weak. You're bringing imperfect animals. You're bringing the things that you couldn't sell at market to offer before God. You're not keeping my laws, right? 
You're not, you're not bringing in the tithes and the offerings that was last Sunday. I mean, as the Lord looks at this and he goes, he's like, y'all are intermarrying with idolatrous people. You're, you're tearing apart the marriages that I've, that I've made or that I've given to you. You guys, you're not doing anything that I've told you to do. You're not taking care of the priests and the priests aren't teaching the truth. He's like, this is not what I asked for. But as they see it, they feel like they've been faithful. In fact, in fact, as they describe their worship and, and doing all the things and the crying, I mean, honestly, their description of their worship reminds me of the worship of Baal. You know, remember the, the, the prophets of Baal when Elijah had that contest with them up on uh, Mount Gerizim? The prophets of Baal went and they, they chanted and they cut themselves and they cried to their God to bring down fire on the altar and he didn't do it. You know, there was a big, uh, a, a lot of, I don't want to say faking it, but it's kind of what it was that was very popular at this time. In fact, even during Jesus' days when people would, when someone would die, they would bring in hired mourners to come and to wail, to cry, to go around and to make a lot of commotion when somebody died. That Their job was to go and act like they were mourning. And these people had been doing this in the worship of God, thinking, well, if we just go and we cry and we do all this, that's what God wants. And, and what God always wanted was their hearts. Amen. He always wanted real and sincere obedience, but they thought they could get through it with all of this outward show, and they were so far off. But, but they thought they were good. Think for a moment with me about their motivation for service, because oftentimes you'll find the problem when you look at what the motivation is. As they're looking at their service that they think is so good, that they're so faithful, they're so sincere in their minds, what is it they say? They say they believe what? That it is vain to serve God. Vain means worthless, empty, futile. They also go on in this passage and they say, what profit is in it? We've done these things. It's not done us any good. How have we increased or been improved as a people from all of this religious stuff? It's not made a lick of difference in their life. That was their motivation. You see, their expectation was immediate, tangible, benefits from serving God. It's like going down the highway and you see a bulletin board for a church and on it is this picture of this happy, smiley family all holding hands and you think, hey, if I go to church, if I go there, if I get in that church and do that thing, then my family will look like that. And that's kind of what we see going on right here with these people, they had this expectation that if they worshiped God, they would immediately, everything would just be better. The thing is, they weren't even doing what God wanted them to do. And their expectations of God were, were very materialistic. And it didn't stop there. Because not only were they discontent with what God had for them, they were shopping around for another. They were already looking. This consumer mentality that's so common in our culture. My friends, we didn't invent it. 
These people the Lord is speaking to through Malachi and Israel, many of them were shopping around. Their eyes were looking at other people in other religions. And what do they say? Look. The Lord says, you are calling the proud happy. The, the people who are arrogant against God, you are calling them happy. That word happy is kind of like the Beatitudes. It means blessed. Where the Lord, Lord says, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's how Jesus starts off, right? Well, they're looking and saying, you know, no, no, no. Blessed are the arrogant. They're the ones who really seem blessed. The ones who work wickedness, it looks like they are set up. It means that they're getting prosperous. They're growing. They're doing well. The ones who are doing evil. The ones who tempt God, they're the ones who are getting delivered. And in this context, tempting God means stepping out of his will. Remember the Lord said, test me and step into my will and see what I do, because you're really not in it. They thought, no, 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 the ones who step out of God's will, they're the ones who get delivered. And so their eyes were looking around at all these other nations that seemed to be doing better than they were, and they're thinking, they got it going on. Our God's not working. Whoever they're worshiping, whatever they're worshiping, that seems to be because of how twisted they were inside, it affected what they saw on the outside. You get that? Because their hearts weren't right before God. They couldn't rightly see what was really going on around them, and they were misjudging the situation. These are the stout words, the bold words. The Lord said, y'all are brave to be saying that. And as he has now made his case and he's brought this response, the Lord now, in the rest of this discourse that I read, is going to have to deal with these sayings that they're saying. And he's going to deal with it in, in two ways. First, he's going to deal with this idea that they have that there is no profit in serving him. That's the first thing he's going to deal with. He's going to deal with this idea that they have that there is no use in serving God. And the second thing he's going to deal with is to address this issue that they had that things were really going to go well for the wicked. That's the second thing he's going to have to deal with. And so the rest of this discourse is about that. And I've been studying this, this passage this week and, and, and digging in and it's been a blessing to me. And as I was doing this, I just felt like there was so much stuff that was just kind of filling up my heart and pouring over. I can't do this all in one message and, and do what I feel like I'm supposed to do right now. So I'm, I'm, with God's help, I'm going to break it up. And I want to just talk about that first point. That first point the Lord is going to have to deal with where they said, it's no use to serve God. Because what the Lord does here in this next verse, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 16, the Lord begins to address that point. Because all of a sudden, things change in this passage. It says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened, and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. 
First thing we learn about in this verse, and it's, it's beautiful to us, it's like a drink of fresh, cold water after so many of the things that we've been hearing in Malachi. We learn that everybody in Israel and that nation at that time wasn't all bad. There were a faithful few. And they were sticking together. And we see in this passage that they were speaking to one another. And as I was studying this, the thought crossed my mind, what are they saying? What are they saying to each other? Because this passage does not tell us what it was. Doesn't give us the specific words. But what we do know is the things that they were saying to each other was pleasing to God. The things they were saying to each other was pleasing to God. And so as I was going back in the Old Testament and looking at some different passages, let me share with you some of the kinds of things that I think they were saying to one another. Back in Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7, Moses told the Israelites, he says, These words which I command thee this day it shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest down in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. One of those earliest of commandments, wrapping up all the things that God was giving Israel was, talk about my word. Talk about what I've said. Tell each other about it. Teach your children the things that I have said. That was one of those earliest commandments Israel received from God. And I think those people who were talking had to be talking about things like that. Psalm 66 verse 16 says, Come and hear all ye that fear God. And I will declare what He has done for my soul. Some of the things that those people were talking about that the Lord heard was them sharing with one another, I believe, what the Lord had done for them. And that even though there were people saying God was absent and didn't care, there were people who had those breakthrough appearances, moments where God was doing things, and they were gathering the other people and saying, let me tell you what the Lord's done for me. The other ones who wanted to hear it. All ye that fear God, come and hear. What else might they have been talking about? The book of Ezekiel, the Lord told uh, one of the angels, He says, go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. No doubt one of the things that these people were talking about to one another was, was grief over the sin in the land. People that saw what was going on, that knew enough of God's word to say, this isn't right. 
And they were talking with other people and saying, doesn't your heart break over this too? No doubt, they were talking about things like Daniel talked to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego about when there was, when there was a threat against them, right? And they gathered together and there was a situation and there was a need and they gathered together and they prayed to God and talked to Him and asked for God's intervention. They were being there for each other to help each other in those times of difficulty. I'll even give you an Old Testament one in the New Testament. Book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 38. When that newborn Jesus was brought to the temple to be circumcised, the prophetess Anna saw, understood the significance. It says, in, it says in Luke 2.38, And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of Him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. What did she do? When God broke through and she saw the Christ child, she rejoiced and then she knew the others who were waiting for the Messiah, and she went to them and she told them. She went to them and she told them what the Lord had just done. I believe those are the kinds of things that the Lord is highlighting in that passage that the Lord is aware of. I want you to also notice in this passage that they were speaking to one another. And it's interesting here, and I usually don't take you guys down in the weeds like this, but I think it's, it's important in this point. When the Israelites are responding in the first part of this passage, and they are saying in that verse 13, they were saying, what have we spoken so much against thee? The Hebrew form of the verb means that they were saying, they were saying, what have we been saying to each other? They, ones who were wicked, the ones who were unfaithful, were talking to each other. Murmuring is what the Bible calls it in the Old Testament. But we also find out from this passage that the ones who were faithful were talking to each other too, weren't they? They were all talking to each other. And what was going on? The unfaithful Jews, in saying these things, and putting these thoughts out there that it's worthless to follow God, there's no profit in it. Look at the other nations, they're doing better. The ones who are arrogant, the ones who are you know, testing God, they're the ones who are prospering. They were going out and telling each other these things, and they were tearing each other down spiritually, bringing them all down, right? We understand that. There's a lot of things vomited up on social media that just infect people's minds and it just becomes a downward spiral taking everybody down. But similarly, the ones who were faithful were talking to each other. They were talking to each other. And what were they doing as they were talking to each other? Well, they were building each other up. They were trying to hold each other up. You see these competing things going on here. You see, the ones who were unfaithful were breaking down God's name. 
and working counter to God's purposes. And what was his purpose? To make his name great across geography and generations. But the ones who were faithful were working and sharing and speaking to each other in such a way to make God's name great to each other around them and to pass it on to another generation. We had these competing things going on here and we see this, we see the faithfulness of them talking to each other and how that ties into the great theme of Malachi of God wanting his name to be made great. You see, that's one of the beauties of being able to go through this book as God has brought us through this verse by verse. We're seeing how significant this is because it just ties right in. It fits like a hand in a glove with what's going on. Now, let me just say something. It's not that God's faithful people don't struggle with hard questions. Because we do. We do struggle with hard questions. It's okay for us to struggle with hard questions, to ask hard things of God, to wrestle. And I want to take you, I've mentioned him before, but I want to take you for a moment to the book of Psalms, chapter 73. And I want to share a portion of a passage with you. This is that psalm that Asaph wrote. I mean, this is in, this is in Scripture. And Asaph was a faithful man of God. Okay? A faithful man of God. But you see what Asaph is struggling with in this passage. As he is considering how well things seem to be going for the wicked and how he personally was struggling, these are some of the things that were going through his mind. He says in verse 12, chapter 73, verse 12, Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They, the ungodly, increase in riches. And now he's saying of himself, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain. There's that word vain. Futility, emptiness for nothing. And washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. Asaph was somebody who was really trying to follow what God said and sought to have his heart right and to do what God would want him to do, but his life was still difficult. He was still facing hardship and problems. And he is struggling. He goes, is this for nothing? That I've really tried to follow God from the heart. That I've really tried to do the right things. And it seems like those who aren't, it seems like everything's going well for them. But then notice what he says in verse 15. If I say, I will speak thus. If I, if I were to say, I'm just going to put all this out there for everybody to hear and, and go try to persuade people. He said, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. You see, Asaph's concern with all these things he was struggling with was corrupting God's name among his people and then having that go forward, doing damage to the cause of the Lord. And so he was struggling with these things. Perhaps he had some faithful friends who he was working through and wrestling through these things with. But his concern was he did not want to diminish God's name among the people. I don't have this all on the slide, but if we kept reading in this passage, 
He said in verse 16, when I thought to know this, when I sought to understand, it was too painful for me. It was too hard until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. He's speaking of the wicked. When I went to the sanctuary of God, that's when I understood what would happen to the wicked. And then he goes on from there to explain what God revealed to him that brought him to a better place. What was at the sanctuary of God? Well, the sanctuary of God at this time, folks, they didn't have all have their Bibles in their home, did they? Right? The sanctuary of God was where the word of God was kept, is where the word of God was proclaimed, is where the worship of God happened. And when he went into that environment, when he could hear the word of God, when he could be with God's people, God's spirit worked in his heart and brought all that into a place of peace. And he was able to have the right perspective again. But this was a godly man struggling with hard questions. So I don't want people to walk away with this and go, oh my gosh, I thought some of those things in my, in my head and I, I've wrestled with some of those things before. I must be therefore the unfaithful one. That's not necessarily the case, right? You could be very godly wrestling through these things, but the thing is, these unfaithful ones in Malachi's day were, were advertising it. We're trying to persuade other people to walk away from God. That's the problem. But come with me now back to Malachi. And I want us to look at this passage. Again, this verse 16. Because the faithful ones are saying things to one another. They're talking to each other. We talked about the kind of things that they were saying and that they were building up. And now I want you to look at the Lord's response because what the Lord does for us here, and I want you to get the significance of this. The Lord, through the prophet Malachi, allows the Israelites to peek behind the veil into the throne room of heaven. Okay? Things that we typically don't get to see or understand. And so Malachi, because these words have been so hard and no doubt the faithful people have been hearing what their culture was saying and it was coming at them, the Lord in response allowed Malachi to roll back the curtain enough that they could know what God was doing. And what does it tell us about the Lord? It says he hearkened, which means he paid attention. As his people were talking, it says the Lord paid attention. Psalm 33, 18 says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. His eyes are fixed upon his people. It says he hearkened and he heard. He didn't just have the noise coming in, and yes, it was being spoken in his periphery. He was listening intently to the things that were being said. Psalm 34, 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. And then what does he tell them? He is paying attention. The Lord is listening. And then he says, and a book of remembrance was written before him. The Lord is having all of what is happening transcribed in a book of, rem of remembrance kept before him of those, what? Of those what? For those that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. 
He's having it recorded. Think about this with me for a moment. Now, first of all, this isn't a book. It's a scroll because that's what they had back then. Okay? They had scrolls. So this is really the scroll of remembrance if we're going to get literal. But think about the fact that it was being written down. I could probably just say, I need some paper and a pen. And multiple ones of you could pull out something and hand it to me, right? But how common was it back in this day for something to be written down? To have paper and, or papyrus and quill and all that stuff available. Not everybody had it, right? And if you had it, what were you going to write down on it? You're probably not going to scratch down your grocery list. But if you're going to get the, take the time and the effort to get those resources, to bring them to bear, to have them, right? And then, oh yeah, I've got to know how to read and write. But not everybody did. Very few people did. To get something recorded was not something we do all the time, like, like we do. It was something that was precious, Something that was important and significant, that it was worth the papyrus, that it was worth the quill, that it was worth the hard-to-get ink, that it was worth paying the scribe to write it down so that it could be recorded. So the first the thing the Lord is telling us is, this is important enough, what's being said, what's happening out here, is important enough that I'm going to have it written down. And the second thing about this is why do we write things in books? You know, yesterday I ordered something at the restaurant and, and when I ordered something, the, the pizza that I wanted, they wrote down on, on, you know, circled things and they wrote down, they wrote my name on it and they stuck it under the pizza and it went, I think, into the oven and it came back out and they had it all there and it came out and that piece of paper with what I ordered was there so it had my name on it so they give me the right pizza and what did we do when it was done? We crumpled it up and we threw it away. Right? Because we got plenty of paper. We got plenty of pens. That was not meant to be recorded and remembered. But when the Supreme Court of our land issues a verdict on an important case, or on any case, it gets bound, doesn't it? It gets bound in a book. You can find it online. You can get it all the place. It goes into books, and those books go out. Lots of lawyers have all those fancy-looking books. That's what, that's what a lot of them are. They're decisions made by courts. And why are they in books? Because there are times that it's necessary to pull that out and to open it up and to look at something that was done even 100, 200 years ago and to look at what was said and done because, because of the significance and the authority that still carries weight today. Right? And so as the Lord is having this recorded in this scroll, what he is saying is, number one, this is precious. Number two, he's saying, and the significance of it is not yet revealed. The significance of what you've just said and what you've just done is not yet revealed. It needs to be remembered, though. It is precious. And I'm going to have it written down so that not a word, not a thing is forgotten. Okay? They will be addressed. I'm not going to go further in this passage than that, but I want to talk to us today because I think you can see where this is going. 
Can we as Christians at some times speak some bold and foolish words before God? Yeah. You know, sometimes we, even as Christians, can. And, and Mary and I were listening to a podcast, podcast on the way home yesterday. We were going to a swim meet. We got to see the boys compete in their conference champs in Evansville, Indiana. So we were driving back last night. We were listening to a podcast, and they were talking about the difference between wolves and wounded sheep. That's an interest, interesting distinction. Wounded sheep are sheep. They're lords. But sometimes wounded sheep can act like wolves. Wounded sheep can injure you, too, because they're wounded. Sometimes we, even as Christians, we can say and do some foolish things. And sometimes we can be unaware <laughs> that we're being foolish. We can all find ourselves um, thinking that we're saying and doing the right things and be working counter to God's purposes. Paul deals with this when he writes in Romans chapter 9. People saying, why does God still find fault? For who can resist his will? And the Lord says or through Paul, but who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Sometimes we struggle with foolish thinking unknowingly. Can sometimes we fall into the trap of acting like it is vain to serve God? And exalt the wicked. The Apostle Paul had to deal with this as he's writing to Timothy. He tells Timothy, he says, stay away from avoid worldly and empty chatter. Because it leads to further ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who've gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place and have upset the faith of some. You see, in Timothy's day, there were people who were talking to each other, right? That was the problem of Malachi's day, and they were saying wrong and destructive things, upsetting the faith of some people, and it was sending them in a downward direction. They were saying the resurrection had already happened. How much hangs on the resurrection for us? Everything. Everything, Right? In 1 Timothy, Paul talks about those who would be rich, the fallen to temptations and snares and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition because the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The lure of prosperity... And we have a whole thing we call the prosperity gospel today. It's a major problem. Major problem in our country, and we've exported it to other places. The idea is that if we are good Christians, then you know, we can start writing faith checks. Because God's just going to put it in the account. right? That kind of mentality that it's, it's God's will for us to have our best life now has invaded Christianity, deceived many people, Cause many people to fall away and speak evil of the Lord. There's many other illustrations we can use, but the problem of Malachi's day are similar to the problems we face today as Christians. But the foundation is also still there today, just like Malachi's day. There are a faithful few 
who are trying to speak to one another. Trying to speak words of truth and words of encouragement to one another. Like when Andrew sees Jesus and hears Him, what's the first thing he does? He goes to his brother Peter and says, Peter, you've got to come and hear this guy. This has got to be the Messiah. Kind of like those disciples who were after Jesus was crucified and had resurrected, you know, on the road to Emmaus, they are talking to one another about what had transpired and they're trying to wrestle through those things. And Jesus appears in the midst of them and talks to them in that whole conversation and lets them see the glory of Jesus fulfilling the prophecies of the Messiah. But they were talking to one another. There are the commandments we have in the New Testament to speak to ourselves in psalms and in hymns and in spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Hebrews tells us, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And that's next time. The day. But keep talking to each other. What are we doing right now? Right now. Right now. We're talking. I mean, I'm talking, right? But what are we talking about? We're talking about the Lord. Why are you sitting here? Hopefully to receive what the Lord is saying. And hopefully I'm getting it right and you're, you're perceiving these things. This is what we are to do. What was going on in the hour before this? Teaching. Talking to one another. Sharing the Word of God. More conversational in nature in Sunday school. What's going on when, when people are moved to stand up and testify? What are we doing all you that fear the Lord, hear what the Lord has done for me. Right? When we stand and sing or we sit and sing, right? We're singing. And what are we doing? We're encouraging each other, right? We're singing to the Lord. We're singing these words of truth and, and, and trying to have our heart engaged in it. And there's a part of it as we're singing that is blessing ourselves, but there's another part of it. You know, as I'm, as I'm sitting here and Sister Brenda's singing in my ear that I'm encouraged about the faithfulness of God because she's sitting right here or standing right here and singing, right? There's all this stuff that's going on and bouncing around, around like ping pong balls around us that's happening spiritually as these voices blend together. The acts of love and encouragement, a phone call, a card, doing something to help somebody else out to encourage them to stay faithful in the Lord, using your talents and gifts, finding your sweet spot, doing those things, a visit, right? You know, a visit when you're in a bad situation. All of these things going back and forth, encouraging each other. What is happening as this is going on? This is what we're called to do, right? But what do we see? The Lord is paying attention. He's listening. He's hearing everything. And He is recording every bit of it. Because why? Because first of all, it's precious. It is precious. And second of all, the fullness of what we're doing has not yet appeared. Amen. The fullness of what we're doing has not 
yet appeared. It needs to be held in that book of remembrance. And we are told these exact things in Scripture. Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed toward His name and that you have ministered to the saints you have and you do, you keep ministering. Psalm 56, 8, so beautiful. The psalmist writes, you have kept count of my tossings. Every time I was tossing in bed and wrestling with something, you know, as I was, I was there and, and I, was, I was thinking and praying through something, you've kept count of my tossings. What about my tears? What have you, what have you done with my tears? You've put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Held. Kept. Precious. To him whose fullness is yet for a time to be revealed because it's in the book and the book is going to get used. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know, you know, we should know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It is not for nothing. It's not vain. It's not empty. It's not futile. This is worthwhile time. This is time well spent. It's not for nothing. In fact, I love it. In the book of Revelation, as the Lord is going to those seven churches and He's talking to each of them, He says, and He begins every one with this phrase to every single one of them, I know. I know. He's been walking in the midst of the candlesticks and he's telling us, he's reminding us, his churches, New Testament, their revelation, I know your works. I know what you've been doing. I've seen, I've listened, I've heard every cry, every tear. I've been there for all of it. And he tells us in Revelation 20, and I saw the dead small and great, and this is coming toward that day, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of the life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. You see, there is a day when those books, the scrolls, are going to be opened up and all those things that have seemed in this world to go unnoticed. It is all present. It is all precious. And we will find that He is going to be just and kind and faithful to every promise because He's listening. Amen. He's listening. He's here right now and He's listening. The last few days when we were in Evansville, and I'll close with this. Took Anna to the pool. She had to swim, uh, practice. So I took her to a local YMCA both mornings. And um, I got to talk to the lifeguard. She was 76 years old. And um, we were chatting, and she had lots of questions. And I told her a little bit about our life. And, you know, we were from out of town. And, Alaska, from Indiana originally, Alaska 20-some years, now in Tennessee, 
in this conversation back and forth. And she said, where do you call home? And before I could even think about it, I just said, heaven. Heaven. And I didn't explain to her all the things I've gone through in my life or all that stuff. But truly, things that need to get fixed in my life, they're not all going to get fixed here. They're not all going to get fixed here. But there's a place where all that's wrong will be and that whatever I do in this life and whatever it accounts to the people in this world, it really doesn't matter. But there is a place that is home where nothing will have been forgotten. Nothing that matters will be forgotten and all will be made right. I'm going to have to answer some things that I've said and done and that's going to be right and just, but I hope and pray that there are some things that I'm waiting for that I'm looking forward to some big surprises on that day. Because he's been listening. Because he's been listening. And he's listening in your life. And I want to just leave us on that note because it is such a word of encouragement that we need. We need to believe this, that we would know that no matter what everybody else sees and thinks, no matter what the world thinks about us, our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let's stand and sing this morning. Have a song and worship together and just be obedient to the Lord in the rest of our service.